It may be the weekend, but there are no days off for the Zone Sports Network. You're listening to the Saturday Show. Can't wait, can't, can't, can't wait. It's all weekend, baby. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Just his relentlessness towards the game, his, his passion for preparation, for perfection. He wants to be the best, and he's, he's as driven as anybody I've ever coached in manifesting it. He doesn't just talk about it, he does it. He's in the film room constantly. He's out after practice, and the first one to get there, last guy to leave type of a deal. And so he just doesn't talk about it. He does it. He's all about it. Motion, Isaiah Hodgins. And a screen for Tyshawn Lindsey. It's tipped and intercepted. Utah comes away with it. Devin Lloyd down the field. Devin Lloyd headed for the end zone. Devin Lloyd, touchdown Utah. Their third defensive touchdown on the season. Such a great drive that Oregon State had going. But here Jake Luton, bad pass deflected into the air. And a convoy of Utes leading him all the way for the touchdown. Guys like Neil Paltu come to mind and, and Gunnar Romney. There's a lot of guys with old linemen, Blake Freeland and Harris Chance have done amazing jobs. James Empey's a much better version of himself. He's done some really good things to change his body. He looks really nice and he's always been smart, but he's just he's just leading at a different level right now. So I, I want to make sure that uh, we don't take those guys for granted because they're a big part of our team and it's been really uh, nice and rewarding for me to see them even get better from, from last year, which I thought they were pretty good last year. Motion, handoff, Algier, nice cut to the end zone, touchdown. Pocket holds up, Bentley with time, has a man wide open, it's coming! What kind of speed do you get, young man? There he goes! Touchdown, Utah! Scarver's going to take the ball to the six-yard line, let's see if he can make something happen. To the 25, to the 35, and he's gone! Here we go! Save on Scarver to the 15, 10, 5, you got it. Touchdown, Utah State. Holy smokes. First to 10, they're going to throw the ball. And they're going to throw the ball deep. Post pattern at the goal line. Caught. Touchdown, Aggies. Wow. We talked about it at the start of the game that the Aggies were going to take some deep shots. A perfect ball to Justin McGriff on the post route from Andrew Peasley into the end zone. Touchdown, Utah State. What a beautiful throw from Andrew Peasley. McGriff ran underneath it, made the catch in the end zone for the score. Welcome into the Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network. Jay Catch along with Alex Lundberg. And Lundy, we're, I guess, technically on location today. How are you? I am great. We've got college football back. We do. And, uh, yeah, I, we're out here. You know, just outside the, the jazz team store. We're literally footsteps away from where we normally do the show. Right. And it's so, yeah, we're out here um, and it's nice. It's nice to be outside instead of, you know, cooped up in a, a studio. And yep. Uh, we are outside Vivint Arena, the Utah Jazz Summer Clearance Sale ongoing up to 75 percent off jazz gear. If you are a Utah Jazz fan and you want to get the best deals you're going to get, get down here to the arena. This is the final day of a three day sale. Still plenty of great gear that I can see. I've wandered around, seen some of it. They've got a lot of stuff. So 
if you are looking to get jazz gear, this is the place to come. Right, and it, there's a lot of other stuff going on here as well. I mean, there's there's a food truck right next to mm -hmm. us that I've been eyeing since I showed up. <laughs> uh, so that's happening at some point today. But, yeah, there's just a lot going on. So get down here, check it out. There's tons to do. Sure, yeah, they've got food trucks, as you mentioned. They're going to have games going, going cornhole and can jam. By the way, have you ever played can jam? I haven't. So it's, it's kind of like cornhole a little bit, but it's like legitimately like it's a can, and you uh, try and toss Frisbees into this can. It's quite difficult, I'm not going to lie. I, I do love, you know, a good Frisbee sport. Yeah, you know, like it, it's, it's interesting. It's more my brand, but, like, I, sure. I, I'm still, you know, about Frisbee golf. But if anything, with the, anything yeah, to do with a disc. If you can, yeah, if you can throw a disc and, like, kind of locate it, can jam is going to be your sport. All right, I'm going to. Let's be real sure. about that. They also got a sport court out here on the plaza with hoop, uh, with a hoop on it. You can win fun prizes there, and they're also they're gonna have a face painter showing up today. I have not seen the face painter. Yeah, oh, they over, right there? over there. Okay, yeah. I missed it. All right, face so face painter, painter out there. Chalk contest on the plaza. You can win a free custom jersey, and it, the contest will be open until 6 p.m. tonight. We will of course be on air from 12 to 2 today. Registration for that is going from 12 to 2. So. Feel free to stop by. Um, you can just check out all the ga jazz gear. You can come say hi to us. Get some uh, the taco truck we got right next to us here. So, yeah, stop by. We'd love to see you guys. And it's fun to be back on the Saturday show. It's been another week. And like you mentioned, college football is officially back. We have week zero action underway. And, of course, because college football always does this, I feel like, the first game in week zero always starts with something weird. Mm -hmm. The score is currently 2-0. Yeah, we have a safety. So yeah. if, if you had it on, like, your prop bet or wherever you might uh, prefer to lay your skittles and you had safety being the first score of the college football season, lot of money. you probably cashed in. Yeah. So well done to you. But, yeah, so we have Illinois and uh, Nebraska squaring off right now in Big Ten action. The fight in the Lion Eye are up 2 nothing in that contest. We have Fresno State and UConn set to begin, I think, almost momentarily. Am I wrong about that? I'm pretty sure, yeah. Noon is noon Mountain Time is the kickoff, so yeah. that one should be going. And then we're also going to have UCLA-Hawaii coming up later this afternoon. And then tonight, the nightcap is the pillow fight of the week, as I call it, UTEP against New Mexico State. And then Southern Utah, the lone local team this week, they'll be in action tonight at 8 o'clock taking on Mount, defending Mountain West Conference champion San Jose State. Yeah, so I'm I'm really excited for all of those games. I'm going to watch as many as possible. Yeah, no, um, no, no doubt know, I mean, about we've that. We've got Nebraska, Illinois pulled up right here. Yep. Nebranoi, um, as the college football Reddit. I like it. Yes, likes well done. It, so, I watched game day this morning. That was fun. They were out at um, out in Atlanta for the SWAC versus MIAC challenge that they have going on, and. Uh, Nebraska getting near the goal line there. So we're going to have a lot of fun today, but we are, of course, going to talk a lot of local college football. Uh, we're going to talk about the starting quarterbacks for both of those both of the local programs, BYU and Utah. We'll get to that momentarily. Later on in today's show, Pablo Mastroeni, uh, the new interim head coach for Real Salt Lake, speaking to the media. Yes, they have a new coach at Real Salt Lake, Freddie Juarez. Uh, kind of stunning folks, but with his decision to step down from his position as head coach, He's actually reportedly going to join the Seattle Sounders as an assistant coach. It's going to be quite the change to have him go inter intra-conference, like move to a, a conference rival, the number one team, by the way, in Major League Soccer right now. We'll also touch on some hockey notes, some baseball. We got it all covered for you all afternoon long, and the best part, technical fouls is upcoming as well. Yes. Yeah, it's going to be a fun show. I'm really excited for it. Yeah, we'll have a good time. So, uh, Lundy, first things first, how was your week? Uh, it's been good. It's been, you know, just – I feel like it's been a little long in anticipation of college football. Okay. But yeah, it's been a solid week so far, and uh, glad it's the weekend. Glad yeah. we finally reached the, the 
promised land of, of college football season. We reached the promised land. There's no doubt about that. Nebraska just scored to take the lead in that contest. We'll keep you updated on scores throughout the afternoon. Uh, my week, similar to yours, very long. Uh, as my wife uh, calls herself, she calls herself a college football widow during the college football <laughs> season. Usually, usually kicks off around August when fall camps begin locally because I am here, there, and everywhere all the time. It feels yeah. like, but that's one of the few bright sides to being, you know perpetually single is I don't feel like I'm letting anybody down when I indulge in in, sure. in my vice of sure. college football. Oh, I, is I daddy ever coming home? <laughs> hey, <laughs> you sound like my children all of a sudden, Eric. What are you doing? <laughs> what, what's going on here? <laughs> but nonetheless, a big thank you to all of you for joining us here on the Saturday show. We will be on air until 2 o'clock. But like I said, feel free to stop by. So let's get things going today. And, of course, we start off every Saturday show with what's the big deal? Do you know who I am? No, I, I can't say that I do. I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. I'm very important. Uh, I have many leather-bound books, and my apartment smells of rich mahogany. <laughs> uh, I love that open, by People the way. know me. People know me. I'm a big deal. What can I say? <laughs> I'm Ron Burgundy. All right. Anyways, yeah, so what's the big deal today? We're going to start off at the University of Utah. Uh, we got the reveal on Thursday uh, with the depth chart. By the way, Kyle Whittingham was playing all sorts of games. Let's be, let's be real. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, you know, the, the news stories broke on Monday. Sure. You know, yeah, sources, all this kind of stuff. Josh Newman and or Kendra Bartle, depending on who you ask, breaking that story. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to Kendra Bartle for, yes. uh, you know, and, and, and to Steve for, Steve, you know, yeah. Steve, helping, you Steve know, Bartle, obviously, Ute Zone. Facilitating that. Uh, his wife, Kendra, was the one that kind of lifted the lid for the Ute Zone side of it. People also hit Josh Newman. Okay, regardless. Yeah. News reports came out Monday that Charlie Brewer was going to be Utah's starting quarterback. Uh, media shows up to media availability that night. Kyle Whittingham says, well, I guess I got a 50-50 shot, but we will reveal that when our, when our depth chart comes out on Thursday. Yeah, he, you know, typical – gamesmanship from Kyle Whittingham. Yes. Like, if he wouldn't have done that, I would have probably been more surprised. It was very hashtag on brand for Yes, me. very much so. Um, but yeah, you know, Charlie Brewer officially the starter now, mm -hmm. which, I, you know, I think the, the biggest surprise was that it was as close as it was for me. Um, well, I think most people are, are with you on that. Honestly, go ahead. Keep, yeah, keep, keep like, your point. And, and really that's, you know, nothing against Charlie Brewer. It's a testament to Cam Rising and his ability to come back from that injury because I think that basically everybody, I mean, at least in my case, assumed that that injury was going to take a little bit more time to overcome. Not that he wouldn't be able to play, you mm -hmm. know, if Charlie Brewer got hurt in the first game. Sure, yeah. But just that he wouldn't get back to his full self, his full capabilities until, you know, maybe sometime mid-season or after this season, you know, and be ready to be the starter next year, um, you know, after Charlie Brewer has used yeah, his got, final he's year. he's got vote. one year And here, so, yeah. but the fact that, you know, it was as close of a competition as it was, that's really an encouraging thing and should be encouraging for Utah fans that, okay, you know, Charlie Brewer came in, you know, they brought him in expecting him to be the starter because of the Cam Rising injury. Um, and the fact that, I mean, we've seen what Charlie Brewer's capable of at Baylor. Sure, right, that 9,700 yards, yeah. Sugar Bowl. Yeah, he, he rewrote a lot of the record books uh -huh. there. Absolutely outstanding quarterback. Um, and Cam Rising, who there's kind of a lot of unknowns about just because 
you know, he transferred in. He's kind of been in the background. He We've seen a quarter and a half of yeah. him actually playing game. He game. looked really good in that quarter and a half. Showed a lot of upside and potential. He had one really bad interception, but outside of that, um, looked great. And he was able to push an established college football starter like Charlie Brewer uh, this late into fall camp. So to kind of reemphasize your point, I, I, I'm a big believer that actions speak louder than words, obviously. And I think most people would agree with that. But Utah went out and brought Charlie Brewer in because I think they wholeheartedly believed that Cam Rising was going to take longer to recover. Yep. This is a full credit to Cam Rising for getting himself back to full health, getting back to his arm to full strength because he had, a, it, the way I understand it, he had a similar situation to what Zach Wilson had at BYU, Zach Wilson's sophomore year. He underwent a shoulder surgery, and in the lead-up to that season opener, the coaching staff kept saying, oh, he's good, he's good, he's our guy, he's our guy. Well, we found out a year after that that the coaching staff said, no, in the lead-up to that Utah game when they kicked off their season, we weren't sure he was going to be available. Because his, his shoulder, he was on a pitch count. They were still trying to get him back to full health, and he never got back to full health that year. We saw him at full health the following year. He obviously had that broken thumb that season, all that. So there's a lot. But I think the trajectory of what Cam Rising was expected to do was similar to what Zach Wilson endured in 2019 versus what he has done. Because he is back to full health, no pitch count according to what I understand. And he's been pushing Charlie Brewer every second of every day. Now, did Charlie Brewer make, maybe make a play or two more that earned him the job? Very well could have. But the good news is I think Utah is as well-stocked in the quarterback room as they have ever been in Kyle Whittingham's tenure. Oh, no question about that. I mean, you know, they have a starting caliber quarterback as their backup. Yeah. They have a couple of young guys still kind of duking it out for that sure. third-string spot. Um, you know, they're really deep there, and they're, it looks like they're going to continue to be deep. You know, they've got a few of those recruits that look really promising as well. Yeah, that, that's the fun part about it is it, that they have uh, they have the kind of like set up. That's the one thing about this. Kyle Whittingham, it seems like for too long, when it came to his quarterback room, it was like, okay, we have a guy, and then you're not sure who the next guy's going to be. Right. The way it looks right now, they've set themselves up for the next three to four seasons potentially. That's just the way it looks. Obviously, things change. We right. all know that. Yeah. Transfer portal, injuries, everything could play into that. But at this juncture – it looks like a very advantageous position if you're the University of Utah. Yeah, so a lot of depth, a lot of talent. I think University of Utah fans, it's 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 time to get excited. Yeah. I think this season could be something special. Not a guarantee, obviously, but I think there are very promising things on the horizon for the University of Utah. Uh, I would agree with you on that. So we'll see how Charlie Brewer does. Obviously, they're going to open things up on Thursday. And by the way, any of you who are listening – We'd love to see you guys out at uh, the uh, – we're going to have a lot of pregame and postgame coverage, obviously, this year, Thursday night, getting ready for that season opener up there at Rice Eccles Stadium. By the way, I drove by the new south end zone the other day. I know you went and toured it. Yeah. I, j I haven't been inside of it yet, but just driving by it, it looks pretty dang cool. It, the inside of that thing just blew my mind, you know. And, like, I mean, I've, I've gone and checked out a lot of those things as they've kind of rolled them out. I remember sure. when they finished the – the football facility mm -hmm. you know i mean i was still a student at the time and so we kind of got a special guided tour um and you know that even that then blew my mind like i was i just remember thinking i didn't realize that there was so much just nice stuff for college athletes like i knew but i didn't really understand yeah and then this took it to a completely new level walking through there just seeing the layout the locker room was awesome 
I was really moved and touched by the the tribute to Ty Jordan that they have in the locker room with yeah that know, was really cool his, his uniform his pads his helmet everything set up you know just waiting for him for uh, you know as if it were game day and I love that they're keeping that all season long um, the hype room that they'll you know exit through was awesome what was that I, call it a hype room it's yeah, awesome I, I loved and I know that this caused a little bit of a stir on Twitter. Um, but, you know, just outside of the opponent locker room on the wall, it says, welcome to 5,000 feet. And I know that a lot of people were like, it's not exactly 5,000. You know, it's oh, like, geez. like, I mean, it's it's gamesmanship, yeah. right? Like, it's you're trying to get in their head. It doesn't need to be accurate. No, know? and most guys aren't going to pull up from the phone. What is the elevation of Rice Eccles right. State? Which I'm pretty sure is, you know, 4633 or something like that. It's in the 4,000s. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, it, it's you can round up to 5,000. Sure. It's not like their athletes are going to go, well, actually, it's only 4,600 feet. And so I can actually breathe way better than if it were 5,000. It's like, not going to make their lungs burn any less in the right. second half. They're going to feel it no, nonetheless. No doubt about that. Uh, th I, that's a touch that comes from Wyoming. We all know the welcome to 7,220 because mm -hmm. Laramie, yep. Wyoming is 7,220 feet. It's plastered all over uh, War Memorial Stadium up there, and they want to make you know that, hey, Welcome to a mountaintop, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so, yeah, so good stuff from Utah. Let's flip over and talk a little bit about BYU. Their announcement came on Tuesday. They held a press conference. Aaron Roderick gets up and says, well, the, the first question, uh, so BYU Sports Information, Ari, who was moderating me, I was on the call. She says, well, Coach Roderick, do you want to make an announcement? And he said, yeah, I want to make an announcement. And Aaron Roderick said, well, Jaron Hall is going to be our starting quarterback. And he makes that announcement and really, really uh, just straightforward, laid it out, said, you know what? We felt like Jaron was the best quarterback of the three because he was in competition with Baylor Romney as well as Jacob Conover. They felt like Jaron Hall was the guy. I can tell you this much. Going back to as early as last season, it's been set up that Jaron Hall was going to be the guy. And I, I he's done nothing over this last, I don't know how many you want to term it, 12 months, whatever you want to term it, to take away the fact that he was set up to replace Zach Wilson. I am of the opinion that BYU is not going to see much, if any, fall off from Zach Wilson to Jaron Hall. And I know that sounds really, really, really strange because he's the number two pick in the NFL draft. But Jaron Hall was neck and neck with Zach Wilson in fall camp last year until he got injured. Yeah. I think Jaron Hall is a terrific athlete. You know, this I don't think anybody really was surprised at all by the announcement that he would be the starter. And so... Um, what did stick out to me uh -huh. about the announcement was that, you know, the – well, like, and it, it wasn't like a surprise. Sure. Because I, I think I've heard you say this. I've heard a lot of other people, you know, speculate that this would be the case. They named him the starter, and they said, you know, right now the, the backup is Baylor, Baylor Romney, Romney yeah. and Jacob Conover, third string. Yeah. But that position is going to continue to be battled for as the season progresses, which I think that, you know, the writing on the wall is that – if something happens to Jaron Hall, if he gets hurt, heaven forbid, yeah. because, you know. You don't want to see a guy go down to right. we all, We're all in agreement there. But if something were to happen, I think BYU is setting up for Jacob Conover to, to take over the reins. Well, okay, see, that, you, you bring up a very interesting point there because that's something I have talked with people about. I, I've kind of talked about it myself. I, and the, the situation there is, I think, and Aaron Roderick made the comment, said, if the game was today, Baylor Romney would be the number two quarterback. He'd be inserted mm -hmm. into that game. 
This is my sincere belief that BYU has every intention of keeping Jacob Conover's red shirt still intact. And trust me, there are people, how can he have a red shirt? Well, welcome to COVID-19 and how it affected the 2020 season. He right. is still technically, once again, a true freshman this year, despite having joined the team last year as a true freshman. He still has a red shirt year intact. I think they have every intention of keeping that intact. Mm-hmm. Now, against Arizona a week from today, of course, we'll have pre- and post-game coverage. Myself and Hans Olsen, Johnny will obviously be there as well. We'll be at JCW's getting ready for that contest. It'll be a late night down there in Las Vegas. We're looking, very much looking forward to it. That game, Baylor Romney will be the number two quarterback. The deeper this season goes, we're talking six, seven, eight games into this season, and if something happens to Jaron Hall, and as Jacob Conover still gets more and more engrossed in this offense, it is my belief that deeper into the season, Jacob Conover may very well take over that number two quarterback spot from Baylor Romney. Yeah, and I think that you're absolutely right about that because around, you know, game eight, game nine, there's only four games left. Yeah. And with, you know, just a couple of years ago, the NCAA changed the red shirt rule where they can appear in four games mm-hmm. and maintain their red shirt. Yeah. And so I wouldn't be surprised at all with once they hit that threshold, we see that switch. Yeah, I, I, that's just kind of, uh, and like I said, I've talked to people who kind of indicated that's that's kind of what they're thinking. I have not heard from anybody on the staff down there at BYU. Let me be right. clear about that. Yeah, it's all speculation on our part. But we, but. All, we all know that the old adage is if you have two quarterbacks who are of equal talent, equal measure, whatever you want to say, you usually opt for the younger quarterback. And the funny thing about Baylor Romney, and all three of these quarterbacks, by the way, Jaron Hall, redshirt sophomore, Baylor Romney, redshirt sophomore, Jacob Conover, true freshman, they're all actually still got multiple years of eligibility remaining. So this is not the case with Utah where it's Charlie Brewers. He's got, this is it, this is one shot, and he's done. Yep. You could have a guy in Jaron Hall technically who could play for the next three years. He'd be 20 eight at that point I'm feeling like at some point but because he's been in the program four years yeah and that's it's crazy to think you know like I mean starting to like I mean it's not quite Britain Covey status yet, no right no, 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 he's no. been in there for like three decades but <laughs> I mean it's, Brit- it's getting up there and Britain Covey status I like that you know that that's still just Taysom Hill is the same way at BYU yeah. he, he was near 28 when he finally finished at BYU it yeah like. or, and I mean you know it's it's 2021. Britton Covey is a junior. Uh-huh. His freshman season was 2015. Yeah. Britton has indicated that this is likely it for him. Yeah. And obviously, things could factor into that. We all know that. But he's said, you know what, this is kind of Because he understands the clock is ticking. If he wants to go make some money in the NFL, like capitalize on his ability as a football player, well, you can't just hang out in college the entire time. Name, right. image, and likeness is great. Yeah. That NFL paycheck. The even ch- The cheddar at the next level is... Even if it's, you know, like, even if he doesn't make the NFL, even if sure. it's like, you know, the CFL or the XFL, that's a lot more money than you can make with the new NIL rules. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. So uh, this is uh, this is kind of fun to actually have these two quarterbacks. We know who they are. We're not waiting for game day and who's going to be, who's going to trot out there for the first snap of the game. I, I'm actually appreciative to both coaching staff, speaking of Utah and BYU, that they have said, you know what? This is our guy. This is who we're going with. And they could have easily said, you know what? You'll find out on game day. They could have played the gamesmanship card. And we saw that the University of Arizona, they're going with two quarterbacks, Gunnar Cruz, as well as um, oh, the other kid's name slipping my mind. Right. They're going to go two quarterback system, Jed Fish down there for Arizona. We all know that it looks like it's going to be Bronson uh, bearing up there at Weber State against Utah. But I, like I said, very much I almost anticipated the fact that it was like, 
well, we'll name our starting quarterback when we run out there for the first snap of the game. And I'm like, I'm actually appreciative that a, a full week ahead of time we knew who it was. Yeah, and I, it really does, you know, like it, I think it's it catches us off guard because that's just what we've been used to in this <laughs> yeah. state for so long. You know, I mean, Kalani Sataki learned it from Kyle Whittingham, mm -hmm. who learned it from Urban Meyer, who was still doing it in the NFL this year. I mean, he did finally now. Gardner Minshew still got a chance and got traded today, by the way. <laughs> But, you know, like, it was like Trevor Lawrence. You've got the number one pick that, you're I mean. Gonna, you're going to sit him? Yeah. It, no, it's a competition. It's, mm, real, <laughs> is it? Is it, though? And so, yeah, like, we've, we've gotten used to that. And it's, it's refreshing to, to see them say, nope, this is our guy. This is who you can expect. You know, and really, they didn't have any reason to not do that because yeah. it's like, you know, Charlie Brewer – you don't have any game film of him in Utah's offense. You have game film of him yeah. at Baylor. You don't have game film of Jaron Hall, really. You know, there's there's some. You have two games but there's worth, but he actually left both those games early. Yeah, so it's, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, look, there's really just not that much for the other teams to scout. So, you know, and with Utah starting against Weber State, it's not mm -hmm. like it gives them any sort of real competitive advantage to, to wait until then because – doesn't really matter who they run out there. No disrespect to Weber State. Sure. You know, preseason number six ranking in the FCS. Um, great program. But, you know, Utah could run any one of their quarterbacks out there and win that game. Yeah, I was just running it. It was Bronson Barron for Weber State. I apologize. I got the quarterback wrong there. Um, have we heard about Utah State, by the way? Have you heard if it's Logan Bonner versus Andrew Peasley? I, 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 honestly, I usually feel like I'm pretty on top of this. I've heard nothing. I've heard they competed back and forth. I have not yeah. heard a starter name. I don't believe I have heard a starter named. My okay. impression was that it was would likely be Logan Bonner, well, but that's just when my – you transfer to come with your head yeah. coach. I, that's, I haven't heard anything official. Okay, fair enough. All right, well, we'll see if we can find out some more information on that. Uh, so – of course, uh, quarterback battles, yeah, they're settled now, but you know that this could change in an instant. We all, we all know that. So it's just one of those things in this sport. Yeah. All right, so we'll keep you updated throughout the afternoon on scores ongoing around college football with Week Zero action. Of course, we'll have more coming up later today. Going to have two conversations I had with BYU assistant coaches, offensive line coach Daryl Funk as well as linebackers coach Kevin Kloon. I thought both were very enlightening, particularly coach Funk with regards to BYU's rebuilt offensive line. So we'll get to that. That's all coming up on the Saturday show right here on the Zone Sports Network. Whether you're stuck at the mall, in the yard, or making a quick trip to the home improvement store, We've got your back. It's gonna be May. This is the Saturday Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Welcome back to the Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network. Hope you all are doing great out there along the Wasatch Front. We are outside Vivint Arena, our normal broadcast home. Normally we're up on the fifth floor up there just above the statues. But today we are on the Plaza, Lundy, and we are enjoying the, sat well, the Saturday show on site for the Utah Jazz summer sale. You are a Utah Jazz fan. This is the place to be. Yeah, there's, there's no reason to not get down here. Like, the deal's are out of control up to 75 percent off jazz gear like i'm probably gonna pick a good amount of stuff up before i before i 
head home. So uh, I, I wouldn't blame you one one bit. By the way, we, we have a 9-2 ball game uh, in the Big Ten. So, you know, we're missed extra points, safeties, you, sacks, all, missed field goals. We're having a ton of fun with Week 0 action. Oh, my but, gosh. I just – but college football gets weird, and I love it. It does get weird. There's no doubt about it. But it, jazz season is not too far away, folks. No. Yeah, players are actually going to be reporting this next month for open gym and whatnot. We'll have training camp beginning at the beginning of October, if I recall correctly. We have preseason games. Actually, no, training camp's got to start in September at some yeah. point because preseason, training, cause preseason's October fourth. Yeah, preseason and we have games. Four games, yeah, and then the season kicks off, and we are in it for the long haul at yeah. that point. It's never far away. Let's put it that way. And Lundy, obviously, is the executive producer of our jazz broadcasts. Uh, do a great job, by the way, working with Locke and the crew and. It's crazy to think it's that close, but it's also still a little ways off. But if you guys want to get some jazz gear for the upcoming season, because I'm seeing, uh, I've seen city edition gear. I am seeing just the traditional color, everything. You you want it? It's here. Get out here. It's on sale. This is the best time of year to stock up. Yeah, got to get everything ready so that when you show up to that season opener, you've got the freshest gear there. Everybody sitting around you is going to be jealous. So you know, come down, get your stuff. Be ready. Get excited. Yeah, that, that's the thing. Get excited. That's the one thing about it. Just having a lot of fun today here on the Saturday show. Uh, Lundy, I wanted to build off our conversation there in that first segment for a minute here just on, in terms of college football overall. And uh, Eric last week introduced our pick'em, uh, what we were doing. So, Eric, I want you to jump in here as well. We said we were going to try this out for week zero, but obviously we have games already ongoing, so making picks for games is kind of weird for games that are already going because we're not, like, in-game betters and such but uh eric let the so how do we want to handle this this week how are we going to go about this i feel like we should make uh two picks definitely uh the san jose state southern utah game because okay. that's within state and then i think we should pick the one pack 12 team in action today and that's ucla and hawaii okay well, I can tell you this much. I don't know if how many people were paying attention to my Twitter feed this morning. I actually announced my picks for today. They were just straight-up winners. I'm, I'm not a guy who's going to be like, well, take this team money line. Take that with the spread. I, I Trust me. I, I have a hard enough time tracking all of the terminology when it comes to Mo sports Money betting. line, by the way, does mean straight-up, just so uh, you know. Sure. I, I, Eric, I'm, come on. <laughs> play, with me. play along with me here, sir. But – Nonetheless, I just kind of did straight-up winners. So I actually took I took Nebraska to win straight up. I have Fresno State because UConn is awful. Let's be right. Uh, they haven't played since 2019. The Hawaii-UCLA game, though, folks, I don't know what it is. I'm a believer in the Rainbow Warriors. That's my Ooh. upset special of the week. I am taking Hawaii. So I'm, I'm going out, right out the gate, boys. I am taking the Rainbow Warriors to go to Pasadena. And they are an 18-point underdog, last I saw. And I am taking the Rainbow Warriors to beat Chip Kelly and the Bruins. That is a spicy take right there. I don't know why, but I, yeah, I see. I feel almost the opposite. Where at, like, you know, on paper, like I look at this and I feel like I should feel a lot less confident. Sure. In UCLA, because honestly, like I just I don't get the Chip Kelly hype. You know. Really, the only time well, he hasn't done much since he got to Westwood. There's no yeah. doubt about that. Well, I mean, he hasn't done much when he hasn't been cheating. <laughs> hey, right? it's Will Lyles, not Willie. I didn't know. I called him Will. What are you talking about? Uh, so, but I don't know. Like, I, I do think that uh, I think UCLA is going going to come out and uh, get things started off. You know, I think they're going to win pretty comfortably. Like, I'm not going to say a blowout. Sure. But I think it's going to be UCLA in a lot of strong control from from the opening okay. kick. Until the clock reads zero. All right, fair enough. And by the way, 
if Hawaii does win this game, you can guarantee the heat under Chip Kelly's seat just got turned up. Oh, yeah. If if Hawaii wins, Chip <laughs> Kelly is, you know, I mean, you know, people breathing down his neck. There's no doubt about that. He's going to have to win like nine games if he loses to Hawaii. Sure. You know, win nine games this season. I think UCLA is going to be a good team this year. Trust me. I, I, for some reason, I, week zero is weird. Hawaii's got a lot of it's nice true. returners and whatnot. Chevan Cordero is a quarterback most people may not know about. Nice dual threat quarterback. Todd Graham worries me as the head coach of Hawaii, so it kind of made me give me some pause. But you know what? I'm going with the Rainbow Warriors. I'm probably going to be wrong, but that's my pick nonetheless. Eric, where are you going on that game? Yeah, I think you could be right because of one thing. Is this a look-ahead game for UCLA? Because yeah, they, they have, have LSU, LSU next yeah. week. That's a really good point. So who knows? I think if you were looking at the spread, if you paid attention to Vegas, it's around 17. I think taking Hawaii with that kind of in mind would be good. But I am going to pick UCLA to win. I think that okay. they are a very good team. And Hawaii, I did some research. They don't have a ton of returning starters on defense. So um, I am thinking UCLA is going to be the winner in that one. And then I think uh, San Jose State, who was very good last year, uh, okay. continues their trend and beats Southern Utah. Well, yeah, so, okay, so you're, you're, you're jumping on back to San Jose State, Southern Utah. This is the lone FCS versus FBS game, even though I would argue that New Mexico State should be an FCS program. <laughs> but, <laughs> we, I, by the way, I want to pick that game, too. I'm adding it to this. I'm adding it to the All right. Because it's a game later tonight, not necessarily any huge draw to it because it's the only game that's actually not on network television. I should tell you something about it. Yeah. So let, let's talk about San, San Jose State and Southern Utah. Southern Utah, I don't know how much you watched them in the spring, Lundy. They could not uh, come up with one play it felt like. They lost by one or two points every single week during the spring FCS season. Mm -hmm. They were a good team at the FCS level, but San Jose State, uh, Brett Brennan, the new head coach out there, he, he's done a great job building that program. Nick Starkle, Texas A&M transfer, he's coming back. Uh, this year, there's no chance for Southern Utah. They may hang in for a quarter, quarter or second quarter, then I think San Jose blows things open. So give me the Spartans. Where are you going? Yeah, oh, Spartans for sure. With you know, I mean, really the the only area that gives me pause, and actually, you know, the line right now is San Jose State by 25 and a half. Oh, so they came down. Yeah, and so like I look at that and it's like. I, I still think I would take San Jose State to cover. Fair enough. But, you know, I mean, that is such a wide margin that it's like, oh. Well, that's actually come down some from what I saw. Mm. Yeah, it's. Uh, Somebody's believing in SUU, apparently. Apparently. So we'll see what happens. Uh, maybe, I don't know, maybe we missed some news that San Jose State lost a starter or something like that. Very well could but, be the case. Uh, 57, the over, I don't know. I could see that happening. Yeah, and so um, as far as the UTEP. New Mexico State pillow fight, <laughs> pillow fight of the week, baby. Yeah, I'm gonna take, I'm gonna take UTEP, take the Miners. Yeah, I believe they are nine and a half point uh, favorites. Last I saw, in terms of that, Eric, where are you going in that contest? I will go UTEP because I think they have a cool logo. Oh, they do. Uh, their their hashtag, by the way, for their Twitter is picks up. Like, because obviously they are Miners and they, they use that pick on their helmet mm. for the T. Uh, this, uh, uh, by the way, El Paso, underrated town, from what I hear, uh, in terms of if you, if you want to go somewhere that's a little bit off the beaten track. And by the way, this is a rivalry game between these two. Los Cruces, New Mexico, and, and El Paso are less than, I think, 50 miles apart. 
So this is a rivalry game. They call it, I think, the is it the I-5 corridor rivalry or something like that. I'm not sure exactly. Sure. No, it's not, it can't be I-5. It might be I-10 then because no, I-5, the fives go vertical and horizontal. Yeah. But I, give me the Miners as well. I, Doug Martin is very much on the hot seat. He's had a nice run there. Utah State did face New Mexico State in a bowl game a few years back. It was the first bowl game that New Mexico State had made in 50 years, if I recall correctly, or 55 years when they faced off in the Arizona Bowl. But it's just a tough slog at, in Las Cruces. But give me UTEP. Dana Dimmel, their head coach, I think UTEP wins that game. So I guess you two have the same picks. Uh, speaking of Eric and Lundy, uh, you guys – are going, I guess, with the chalk is this what we call yeah, it, right? Going chalk, yeah. Uh, I'm Ooh, taking. We got a tie game in Nebronoy. Yeah, we do. Yeah, so uh, Illinois scores what's nine nine between those two Big Ten teams, but I'm taking UC, I'm taking Hawaii to beat UCLA. That's the lone difference. I and like it. We'll see. And by the way, we'll do this throughout the season and whatnot. And it'll be kind of weird because we're going to start our show. We start from noon to two local time, so there'll be early games that have already happened we'll probably be picking games and by the way pack 12 most of the time is gonna be playing later in the evening so it'll be easier pack to 12 pick. after dark pack 12 after dark hashtag pack 12 after dark we'll Get have those weird. picks for you each week and we'll track them uh, we'll, we have a document we'll keep track of how we're doing and uh you guys will probably take a three uh take you probably sweep all three today but i just had this feeling you know what i gotta pick an upset and i went with hawaii going to pasadena and beating ucla i respect the bold picks i mean i didn't make the pick yeah you know so i disagree with you there but i like it yeah, so we'll see how that all shakes out. Uh, Lundy, by the way, while we've got a couple minutes here in this segment, is there anything else in terms of the college football universe you're looking forward to this uh, this season? Is there anything out there that you've kind of been stewing on that you want to weigh in on about? I'm, I'm just really excited to see how things bounce back after a weird 2020 year, like get things sure. back on track. Yeah. Um, I mean, I always, you know, People that know me know that I root for chaos a lot, um, and sure. so I, I'm I'm hoping for that. You know, I'm I'm hoping for something of like a 2007 scale. I doubt that that'll happen because I feel like 2007 was such an anomaly that we'll never see anything close to that level of anarchy again. But that's the hope. I a guess. man can dream. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So what? Okay. So you say you like the chaos. Love the chaos. What chaos do you envision happening if you if you can envision anything happening? Well, I mean, are we talking like realistic chaos or are we talking? <laughs> throw anything out there. Come on, we're not holding you to I, it. Man, I would love to see Alabama lose to an FCS team. It's never happening. They it's lost to Louisiana played. Monroe back in 08, if I recall correctly. That's probably as close as they'll ever come. I mean, Louisiana Monroe was an FBS program, but they were they're still the dregs of college football. Yeah. No, and was it? Was it 08 that they – I think – wasn't 08 the the year that they were undefeated until they met Florida and then SEC yeah, championship? It's one of those years. Um, maybe 07. Maybe 07. Maybe. It, it, that would fit the 07 season, so we'll, we'll, we'll tack it on there. We'll just say that's when it was. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I'm hoping to see chaos in basically everywhere. Um, specifically the SEC, I don't think there will be much chaos, though. Um, but yeah, we'll see what happens. I would like to see a surprise in the Big Ten as well. Okay. Um, you know, maybe just because it's chaos. Not that I want this to happen other than for chaos reasons. But let's see Michigan beat Ohio State for once. Okay. I well, don't think that'll happen. Save Jim Harbaugh's job. <laughs> it would. And, you know, I, honestly, you know, it's, it's kind of the thing as a local college football fan. You know, I want USC to extend Clay Helton to keep them in mediocrity. 
the same kind of thing kind of sort of applies to, to Michigan and Jim Harbaugh. Like, Fair enough. Let's let's keep him there long enough to keep them from becoming a superpower again. Well, he is a favorite son up there in Ann Arbor. There's no doubt about that. Okay, I got one prediction for you this season. Obviously, there was news yesterday from The Athletic. Uh, Dennis Dodd kind of followed it up today. The Big 12 is looking west here yes. in terms of BYU and expansion. Here's my prediction. We're going to hear by the end of this season about when Texas and Oklahoma are leaving the Big 12. Yeah, it's, it, it's not going to be 2025. It's going to be earlier. It's, it's got to be. Plain yeah. so, and it might be as soon as next year. Yeah, there, there is going to be news, and that's just my prediction. I don't know what what it's going to happen, but we will have a much clearer picture of when Texas and Oklahoma are departing the Big 12. And I'm adding this to this. The Big 12 will have made moves, or at least we'll hear about what they're planning on doing with that remaining eight teams, whether they're going to dissolve, whether they're going to add two, four, eight more teams, go 10 to 12 or 16 teams, we will have more clarity on the Big 12's status by the end of this upcoming football season. Yeah, you know, and if we have time later in the show, I do want to pick your brain about that because okay, I've had some it. thoughts. And so we can if, do it one o'clock hour. We can yeah, talk about it. We'll see if we can squeeze it in somewhere. If yeah. not, we'll talk off air. Okay. Well, yeah, we'll get into that. So, uh, so some picks there. Well, of course, we'll keep you. Tra we'll keep track of this all season long. We're going to do kind of season long thing. I don't think we've ever agreed on anything we're going to put on it. Maybe we'll put uh, dinner on it or something like that for the guy who actually wins in the pick'em. And if for whatever reason we have a different producer, Eric uh, has to absorb whatever producer takes those picks. Sound good? I agree with that. So I'm I won't. Be. I simply won't <laughs> allow myself to not be here, man. I'm gonna so. be. I'm gonna be paying Jeff to you know pick <laughs> just random ups. It's just, <laughs> just a sabotage. Yeah. Uh, quick scoreboard update. Uh -huh. Fresno State is up seven zero on UConn. Minute thirty to play in the first. What What, what are you doing? Come on, Fresno, get going. <laughs> just kidding. All right. All right. We'll We'll take a time out. We'll come back on the other side. We'll get to technical fouls. One o'clock hour upcoming, as I said, uh, conversations I've had with two BYU assistant coaches recently, offensive line coach Daryl Funk, as well as linebackers coach Kevin Clune. And uh, 1.30, obviously, five minutes of Saki and the whole shebang, as you, if, if you will. So we'll get to all of that coming up on the Saturday show. You're coming from the street with dirty shoes on your feet. That's a technical foul. And if you switch the radio to some modern music show, that's a technical foul. If you touch the thermostat, you'll get hit with a bat. Cause that's a technical foul. You will feel my wrath. That's a technical foul. Personal file, 69, offense. He was giving them the business. A technical foul. Welcome back to the Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network. Yak and Lundy along for the ride on your Saturday afternoon. As you just heard in the open, it is time for technical fouls where we we make fun of people. I, we do. We, we do make fun of them. We're just yeah, a little bit. I, I like to say we when I did the show with Adrian, we like to reward people for their stupid behavior. It probably yes. sounds weird, but we are rewarding them by talking about them on air. Right. I mean, there's no such thing as bad PR, right? Sure. Let's, let's go with that. So, all right, Lundy, where are we going to start off today? So, mine is not really related to the world of sports okay uh but it was something that oh, by the way caught we, my we, eye. we don't net we if it relates to sports sure i got one that's sports related yeah. but we don't have to stay with sports. i typically try to yeah but this one this one earned you know mentioning um so you're aware you know and, and johnny probably knows this story as well but uh you know you're aware of the Nirvana album, the one that's yes. like kind of the classic cover you know the baby in the swimming pool in utero right is that the name of the album no, uh Oh, is it? I don't remember what the name. Yeah, it's, 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 it's never mind. It, it's the it's uh, the iconic 
album cover of yeah. Nirvana. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyway, 30-year-old uh, Spencer Eldon, who was the baby sure. on that, is now suing Nirvana. Okay. Um, I mean, you know, Kurt Cobain's estate, essentially, is what you're suing? Yeah, I mean, the, the band, I mean, you know, wherever they, he's suing them. Okay. Um, and he, uh, he claims that it's child pornography. Oh. That he's a victim of. Um, which is interesting because he has recreated that photo a number of times since then. You know. Oh, he's... Like, I mean, each time, you know, because he's obviously been older when he's done it, he's wearing swim trunks and How things like that. How old was he when that, he would have had been, what, a, a toddler? Five, six months? Okay, yeah. Johnny's saying six months. He's, you know, and so he, uh, he's claiming that, which, you know, this article right here says that, uh, you know, images of infants that do not have sexualized overtones are not considered child pornography as, as per law in the USA. Okay. Um, so... It doesn't look like he's very likely to, to win this, but he, he, uh, you know, it's the kind of thing where he, it seems very much that he's trying to kind of grab a little bit of money. It's a cash grab. Yeah, right? You know, I mean, when he's been promoting it, building his brand as that identity, mm -hmm. it seems really odd that he would suddenly switch. That's just me. And so, I, you know, that's... It just so happens we do have a music expert that could probably weigh in on yeah, this. Yeah, Johnny, I would love to hear well, your thoughts about this. It's it's an interesting it's an interesting thought. He's trying to sue the estate of Kurt Cobain, uh, Dave Grohl. Well, say, Dave Grohl obviously probably be part of this. Chris, the bass player, and the record label. Sure. Okay. Now, he was six months old at the time, and yes, you do see stuff yes. on the cover. Yes. I, I understand what he's saying. What I want to know is why everyone's talking about this, but why is no one saying? Why isn't he suing his parents? His parents are the ones that allowed it to happen. That's that's a really good point. It's a conversation needs and to be had. The lawsuit, you know, alleges that his parents didn't get paid, nor did they sign a, a you know, paper or anything like that. However, according to a different report, um, his parents got two hundred fifty dollars for ah. the image. Mm -hmm. So, you know, well, if, you, if they send rights away, they send rights away. Right. You know, if they got paid for it, then you know, like usage rights. So I'm not saying parental rights. Or but yeah. No, so. Right, right, right. I, I, I think it's, I think it's kind of silly. I really do. I think the whole, the whole premise of it is silly. But you're right. He did create it. He obviously is proud of it and tells everybody that he is, that he's yeah. the kid, the baby in it. Yeah. But the bottom line is, his parents signed it away. Yeah. Nirvana and bought it for two hundred fifty bucks. Yeah, two hundred fifty dollars for that image. And Sue your parents. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and, you know, like, he really has built a brand off of this. You know, he's done interviews and things where he's been like, yeah, that's me. You know, he's he's done that. I believe I saw something that it was he was trying to sell some of his photographic artwork to the band or something. You of know, course. Trying, to, trying okay. to do that. They refused to buy it, and now he's suing them. All right, well. So. Good luck to you, sir. Seems very retaliatory. Uh, we got another touchdown here. We have now a fumble return for a touchdown for Illinois in that, in that game in Big Ten country. All right, mine is in the sports world. We're going to the NBA, though. New York Knicks center Nerlens Noel has filed a lawsuit against his former agent, Rich Paul, and the, his firm, Clutch Sports, claiming he lost $58 million in potential salary while he was represented by Paul from 2017 to 2020. 
some of you might recall Nerlens Noel had a lot of promise as a, as a young NBA player. A lot of people thought, okay, he could be one of the elite big men. He was part of that whole tanking, the, uh, the trust the process in Philadelphia that yielded Joel Embiid and, and Ben Simmons. Well, he was kind of the odd man out and all of that. But uh, Noel took this action after Clutch recently filed a grievance with the National Basketball Players Association claiming Noel hadn't paid $200,000 in commission on his previous one-year contract with the Knicks. Noel claims breach of fiduciary duty, breach of contract, and negligence. The lawsuit does not cite a specific amount of damages, but asks for actual punitive relief. The reason why here is because he was being represented by a former agent of his who, uh, when he was playing for the Dallas Mavericks, he was offered, I believe it was a four-year... Yeah, so when they started free agency in 2017, Noel was represented by by agent Happy Walters. Noel claims in the lawsuit he was offered a four-year, $70 million deal by the Mavericks, a number that was reported by several news outlets during that summer. During the free agency process, Noel said he fired Walters and hired Paul after they met at Ben Simmons' birthday party in Los Angeles. In the lawsuit, Noel said Paul advised him to pass on the $70 million offer and accept a one-year deal so he could be an unrestricted free agent the following year when Paul said he could get deal, get Noel a more lucrative deal. So Noel eventually did turn down the $70 million deal and signed his one-year qualifying offer of $4.1 million. Well, the following year, Noel broke his thumb, missed 42 games, and all of his numbers plummeted. His stock went into the tank. Well, he's since signed, I believe, two... Um, uh, one-year deals that made about $12 million. So that is why he is suing for $58 million of the potential $70 million that he passed on from, from the, from the uh, Mavericks. I believe he just signed a, a three-year deal that's worth $27.7 million with the Knicks. He'll be there for the next three years, allegedly. And obviously, things change. change but apparently, bad advice from an agent and Nerlens Noel, they're going back and forth with Rich Paul, who is tight with a lot of NBA folk. Yeah, man, that's... It's going to be interesting. I mean, man, I can't, I can't imagine. Just sign the contract. Take the yeah, four years. Take the $70 million $70 and mi- move on. Like, like, I can understand, you know, maybe saying I'm going to take a little bit of a pay cut to, to bet on myself. Sure. But $70 million versus four? Yeah. Just play for this one year on $4 million. We'll get you a better deal next year. Well, yeah, it's bad luck. Like, well, I, guess. I they, can get a better deal this year. Yeah, he breaks his <laughs> thumb. I get that. It's a bad it's – a, it's, a it's a raw deal for him because he – he breaks his thumb that year, misses those 42 games, sees those numbers plummet, but still. Yeah. It's just like, dude, take the money. Right. It should be, it should be a, it, like, that should be like a, a thing that all NBA agents from now on should point to New Orleans Noel's situation and say, this is why you take the deal when it comes. Right. Speaking of taking money, mm-hmm. I want to ask you, you, you probably saw this, Donovan Mitchell recently mm-hmm. tweeted, you know, posing the question, do you take $10 million to let Mike Tyson punch you in the face. Yes, I do. I'm yeah. going to have broken orbital bones and broken nose and all kinds of stuff, but I can repair all that with about a million, so right. we're good. Yeah, so, you know, like, that's what, that's what I put out on Twitter. You know, I said, what? Plus. Complete facial reconstruction surgery. My nose is already like, crooked, so, hey, I can have all that, you know, corrected. Yeah, <laughs> like, complete facial reconstruction surgery. Like, that's, what, maybe, like, $100,000, $200,000 very, very tops, like, if you really get all the bells and whistles. And your ship has come in along with it. Yeah, if it's a hundred k, that's one percent of what you're getting. Punch me in the face, <laughs> like <laughs> I'm with you on that. So, all right, so good stuff on technical fouls. Coming up next, we'll talk a little BYU. We'll get to some interviews as well. One thirty, we'll have uh, five minutes of, and I don't even know what to guess we're going to have at the end of the show with Eric. So, stay tuned for all of that coming up in hour two of the Saturday show right here on ninety-seven point five FM, twelve eighty AM, and the Zone Sports Network.
In the Carrier HVAC studio. This is KCNS FM Colville. KCNS AM Salt Lake City. 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Let's go live. We talk jazz, utes, cougars, and aggies, even on the weekend. You're locked on to the Saturday show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Welcome back to the Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network. Hope you all are doing great. Hour two of the program begins right now. Lundy, you mentioned earlier in the show you wanted to talk a little about BYU. You wanted to pick my brain on a topic. So where are we going? So this is something that I've been thinking about basically since the college football realignment issue started. Fair. And it, you know, kind of got resurfaced in my brain with the latest re- report that the Big 12 is looking at adding BYU. Okay. And... You being the BYU expert, you know, locked on Cougars, mm-hmm. you know, you're pretty well connected. I want to get your thoughts on this. You know, speaking just, just from a football perspective, if, if the Big 12 calls BYU, should BYU pick up the phone? Yes, they should. They Even should. Even with all of the, the – ins- the instability and all of the question marks and things around it. My father, to his everlasting credit, instilled one thing. He's instilled multiple things in my life. But he said, you never turn down a conversation. Like you okay. S- you, you, you sit down. You see where they're at. There, there's no obligation for you yeah. to be like, well, you make a decision right now. It's like, no, I'd be dumb to make that decision right now. Yeah. But you do take the phone call. Okay. That, you, that's fair. You sit down with them. and You see what's going on. You hear them out, obviously. And this may have happened already who knows but the the report out there by the way for those of you who may not have heard uh, the athletic yesterday i believe it was andy staples and max olson said that the the so the big 12 has a four-person subcommittee it's two university presidents and chancellors and then two athletic directors who have been commissioned to look into expansion now because they're losing oklahoma and texas they're down to eight teams they need to see what their future holds for them they were reportedly meeting yesterday but they already, according to what the Athletics said, have already looked into and discussed BYU. It was like the one team that they've already looked into. I think the thing with BYU is, and the reason why they probably already had talked about them, is because BYU is ready to jump in. They're an independent in football. They can just say, great, let's do it. And they, can, they don't have to negotiate a buyout with a conference they might be in. Let's say UCF, Cincinnati, Boise State, Memphis, any of these rumored expansion targets. They're all in a conference. They all have grant of rights that's similar to what Oklahoma and Texas both have to now negotiate themselves out of. They have to do that. BYU, they're turnkey. Mm-hmm. When do you want us to show up? Let's do this thing. That, that, that is what BYU's appeal is. The other appeal for BYU in this is they open up that late-night window on TV. Right. And, you know, that athletic article, it covered a lot of the TV ratings, you mm-hmm. know, and why BYU would be good for the Big 12. And looking at that, you know, like one of the things that I've thought – you know, just from a football perspective, I'm not sure that if I'm BYU, I would want to go. Okay, and that that debate has raged on social media over the past 24 hours, and there's absolutely that concern if you're BYU, is why are we locking ourselves in with these eight programs, none of which necessarily have a national cachet? Like, honestly, what's the biggest brand of those eight in your opinion? Right, and, well, like, you know, you look at the, the numbers that The Athletic put out, and they were they were making using those numbers to make the case that 
they should absolutely go out, uh, you know, go after BYU. Mm -hmm. And to me, I was like, if I'm BYU and I see these figures, I'm going, why should I split my revenue with these teams? Because well, you it, can take those and yeah. then try to renegotiate a better deal for you as an independent. Because they said, okay, if we take Texas and Oklahoma out of the situation sure. on the big-time national networks, ABC, Fox, ESPN, mm -hmm. BYU was just slightly behind those big 12 teams in the ratings. And when you take it down a tier and it's the ESPN 2s, ESPN U, Fox Sports 1, those kinds of things, BYU actually had better ratings than any of those remaining big 12 teams. Uh, there, there is absolutely that, that question needs to be answered by BYU, and I can guarantee you this: we will not hear much of anything about that from BYU's perspective right. in terms of them actually speaking on the record. There will probably be rumors out there about it. There's still a long way to go on that front. The, the one thing I look at, if you're BYU, is that they're estimating that the Big 12 is not going to be as valuable in terms of where they're at without Texas and Oklahoma. That's right. easy so to no, say, no question. But if if the rev if this whatever this uh, revamped Big 12 is, if they can net themselves 15, 20, 25 million dollars a school, well, according to that, that athletic article, BYU's ESPN deal is currently worth six to ten million dollars, and that's in the range of what I have heard in talking with people about that. If you're BYU, you absolutely have that conversation. If you can guarantee yourself to double or triple your money, that's a conversation worth having. Mm -hmm. The thing with BYU is there are, there's issues with the LGBTQ situation currently that right. they would have to – and trust me, the Big 12 had issues with that last time. That That's kind of the impetus of why most people say that the Big 12 decided, you know what, we're not doing this because there was concern with that. I think the Big 12 is desperate enough at this point, honestly, to, that, that that maybe is a non-issue at this, at this juncture. The other issue is BYU and Sunday play. Are they going to go football only, or are they going all sports? That's a question. Yeah. BYU is more than content to leave their other sports in the West Coast Conference if need be, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. But trust me, if, if you want one of the premier basketball conferences oh, yeah, in the country, no. you add Houston, you add, uh, let's see, who are, we talking, who are we talking about? UCF, okay, whatever. Cincinnati. Cincinnati, Memphis with Penny Hardaway and Imani, Imani Bates. Is it Imani Imani Bates? Five-star talent, like the top prospect over the last two recruiting cycles he's going to memphis you'd make a premier basketball conference yeah and you know if byu is looking at and byu sports, by the way would compete in that they'd be right they'd be right there mark pope would have no reason to leave because now he's in the big time in college hoop. yeah and you know from an all sports perspective mm -hmm. like byu i would absolutely make that move west sure. coast conference to the big 12 yeah right like no hesitation but from a football perspective that's where i have the the hesitation to go well is an unstable conference, you know, with an unclear future, not a lot of really big brands left, mm -hmm. is that really better than independence? Well, that that's an interesting thing because there was a certain talk that was given earlier this week that in that talk it wasn't ex explicitly about sports and athletics, but Jeffrey R. Holland, who, by the way, is a former BYU university, like, president of BYU, he mm -hmm. spent a decade there, as the university president, he essentially said in this talk that BYU at some point as a university has to be willing to give up relationships, uh, affiliations, all that type of stuff. And some people extrapolated that to mean they're more than content to be an independent. There is advantages to being an independent for BYU. I can cite very two clear ones. Last year, BYU, before the Pac-12 and the Mountain West came to their senses and said, oh, hey, we're actually going to play football again. 
Do you know the closest team to BYU before that went down in terms of a football playing school was and how close they were? Like the closest to BYU. It's a school we've talked about already on today's show, if that helps you at all. Is it one of the, like, the Texas, Oklahoma schools somewhere around there? UTEP. UTEP. In El Paso. They were over 1,000 miles away from BYU. They were literally on an island. They had no hesitation saying, we are going to do everything within our power to play football. And BYU benefited from the fact that they stuck with that. There are advantages to being an independent because you call your own shots. You are not tethered to X number of other schools and a commissioner of a conference. You make your decisions. You are in the master of your fate. And there are major advantages to that. Yeah. And so, you know, that's, that's kind of just the internal debate I've been having since this news came out. Because it's like, obviously, your other schools, you know, and in my mind, I think that, I mean, this would never happen. This mm -hmm. is not an offer that would come. But... If, you know, from a BYU-only perspective, the best possible scenario in my mind would be to move all of your non-football sports to the Big 12 oh, absolutely. and football stay independent. That's not an offer that they're going to no. get. But if they could somehow swing that. Oh, yeah, you do like, that in a heartbeat. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the no-brainer where you, you just obviously, yes, let's do it. It's going to be very interesting to see what the future holds for BYU. But as I said earlier on in today's show, I think we're going to have much more clarity by the end of this football season. So by December, yeah. I believe we will have a lot more clarity on what the Big 12's plans are, when Oklahoma and Texas are leaving. I, I think that's all going to come. I may be wrong about that, but that's just my personal opinion on what happens there. So it, it, it's, it, it's a very interesting debate, Lenny, that you bring up. Because it is my personal opinion. Yeah, there you go. It is my personal <laughs> opinion. Well done. Eric, but it, it's truly, it, it is an advantage for BYU to remain independent and keep themselves, yeah, keep themselves free and do the things that they feel like is in their best interest, but they will obviously have to cr cross that bridge when they get to it, so it's very, very interesting. All right, let's get to an interview here. I had a chance to catch up with BYU offensive line coach Daryl Funk earlier this week, actually it might have been late last week. Nonetheless, uh, some BYU, some interesting stuff here on BYU's offensive line. He comes in. This is his first year with the program. He is trying to rebuild this offensive line. They lost four guys to the pro ranks from last year's squad, and they had a very good offensive line a year ago. What does he make of the guys he has in his position group currently? Well, here you go. Daryl Funk with myself right here on the Saturday Show. Coach Funk, how are you, sir? Great, great. How are you today? I'm not too bad. Thanks for taking some time first off, but wanted to kind of get your assessment as we are, I'd say the midway point of fall camp. Obviously, you guys are looking forward to the season, but how are things going so far in your opinion? You know, they're going well. Uh, kids are working hard and we're, uh, you know, we're still in the mode where we're mixing and matching different lineups and guys playing cross positions and doing some learning that way. But we've got, uh, you know, we've come a long way and and, and building building depth, which is obviously, you know, what you always want to do every year, but we definitely need to do that this year. And kids have responded. They've, they've bought in. And, you know, we take the field. These kids go hard and play hard, and they're into it. So uh, things are, are going well. wanted to ask about some individual players here, and we'll start off with your senior center and James Empey. Obviously, you came in. He, he has been at BYU for a, for a while now, but – how has he improved in the time that you've been at BYU? Is there any specific area? Well, you know, every player's got their laundry list, uh, you know, in terms of things they want to improve in the offseason or spring ball and ultimately fall camp. And James is no different. And he's uh, he obviously has a grasp on, on what we're doing and all that stuff. But uh, but there are some things. And he, he had a list to me in the spring. Hey, I want to do this. I want to do this. And we've worked on that. He's 
he's improved because he's one of those kids that even though he's played a lot of football, started a lot of games, all that stuff, uh, he knows he needs to get better at some things. And he's got uh, – so he's he's worked at it. I'm happy with James. You know, you kind of just count on the, the leadership and him knowing what to do. But but also he, he knows he's not perfect. And, you know, he's been corrected on some things and, you know, uh, you know call out guys, so to speak. But at times, I mean, just because he's started 36, 37 games, whatever it is, you know, he's got a minus cost us to play. It's right there for everyone to see, and we all learn from it. So he's been great. I'm really, I'm really happy with his progress. Clark Barrington kind of steps into a little bit of a leadership role on this team. He was kind of the young guy on that offensive line for the past two years. What have you seen from him? Is he still sticking at left guard, it looks like? Yeah, yeah, that's where he's been playing mostly. And, you know, Clark, uh, again, um, just a, a great kid, um, knows what he needs to improve on, very into the game, very tough kid, uh, loves to play. And, and he's, uh, you know, he's working on taking a step forward on some things because, uh, you know, and, and, and we sprinkle in, you know, when we watch tape different things, obviously watching practice tape, but we, we look at stuff uh, from last year, from spring, different things just to make sure we're making our points. And, you know, Clark, Clark has, has some things to work on just like anyone, but he may be as tough a kid as we have. Uh, up front, and 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 he he leads by that standpoint too. If I left him in every play of uh, of uh, you know practice and never took him out, he he wouldn't even say anything. He'd just keep going. And I'm just really excited about uh, working with him. He has a younger brother, Campbell. How has Campbell looked so far? Campbell's uh, super versatile. Can play really any position on the front, which uh, you know is really helpful for me. Sometimes it's a it's a curse for a player because he's got to go here, got to go there, but sometimes you need that. But he is probably uh, from day one, maybe made the most strides. And he's, uh, he's, I'm really excited about him. So as we get closer to game time and different things, um, he will, he will focus more on where he's going to play and what his role will be. And he'll be even better, but he's another one. I and mean, this must run in the family, the Barrington family. These guys love to play. They're focused on football. When they're out there, they're thinking of nothing else, and they're tough, and they go hard. So, uh, uh, really, a lot of shares a lot of the traits of his brother. But really, really happy with with how he's progressed. Wanted to ask about a pair of tackles, Harris Lachance, as well as Blake Freeland. I think most people envision they'll be your left and right tackles when you take the field against. Excuse me, when you take the field against Arizona, what have they shown you so far in camp? You know, collectively, they've just been so consistent. They're just so trustworthy. You really don't worry, you know, about anything, uh, whether it's assignments or, or things breaking down because they're just so steady. Now, you know, individually, they're, 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 you know, different. Every kid's a different kid, but they, they've got different ways that they go about their business and different things. But, yeah, they both had great camps. They've both been steady. Um, they're both, uh, you know, what I noticed, too, and it's not just them, but they're both really good at this. He's these kids uh, are really good about helping the younger kids, um, you know, even immediately right after a play or something. I mean, I can't coach five guys at once. And I hear, I hear Harris, I hear Blake helping the young tackles, making little points, reinforcing coaching points. So they're like coaches on the field as well. But uh, I think, uh, you know, by the time we get, get going, I think both those guys will be uh, ready to go. They still got a few things they're working on, but they're, they're solid. They've been doing a great job as well. Obviously, there's a question mark behind them, I think, in most people's eyes about the depth of the tackle position. Are you feeling like you're going to have adequate depth at either left or right tackle, or you feel like there's enough guys behind them? 
we always worry about that and and uh, and everything. But you know, I've already talked about Campbell. He's played a lot of tackle mm-hmm. in camp, and he's very steady. Grades out very high out there. He can play out there. Braden Kime, who's got bigger and stronger, and he's another one you guys you know haven't really seen much yet, but he's been very solid. So both both Braden and Campbell as tackles have stepped up uh, and uh, and they've they've improved light years over spring. You know, they had a great summer, their strength coaches, and you can just see it in their game and they're learning it better. So 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 that helps. And then we have some other guys that that could come from the inside and work their way out there. I mean, Clark easily could be uh, outside a tackle if we needed them to and you know down the line depth and and Connor Pay as well. He's played everywhere on the line. So, uh, but I'm really happy, obviously with the two starters and then, and then, uh, Braden and Campbell, uh, really give us, uh, give us some guys that we have a lot of confidence in as well. How much of a rotation, how deep of a rotation do you like to have as an offensive line coach? Do you want to go 10 deep, eight deep? What do you envision? Well, I've never been a big rotation guy unless it was dead even. And, uh, it might be a little bit old school, but it's, kind of comes down to two facts one most lines like to like to play together and because they know exactly what you know guys are doing and everyone does a little you know combo box different things you switch guys it's just a little bit different um so um so you know that's part of it but the other part of it you know just kind of makes sense to me you know if you rotate let's say you rotate out at a tackle position let's say that's what you do and a and one of the tackles uh, has an issue or there's a seam or some new different wrinkle and you go over to the sidelines and the next time the other tackles in hadn't seen it live and he might get beat about, you know, the same way about it. And, and uh, I worry about that because linemen are, but most linemen that are really into it and, and football smart and everything, you beat them once with someone, something, you, you have a hard time beating them again. And, and that's the problem. But all that being said, if I have, six guys that are game ready, seven guys that are game ready, eight guys, I will try to find spots. I don't, I've never randomly put guys in uh, just to, just to randomly do it. There's got to kind of be a reason. So uh, that remains to be seen as far as how we'll do that. Who is in contention to that right guard spot currently? Well, um, we've had, we've had three guys that have played a lot of reps there. Okay. Obviously uh, Joe Tugafo is, is, played a lot you know he's played a lot he's played on center but he's he's had a lot of reps at guard Connor Pay uh also is at a starter level just like Joe uh at that right guard position we haven't settled there and and the other one I mentioned Campbell Barrington's put himself front and center uh to be right with those guys uh, with his play the last week week and a half so um so that's that those are the guys that have been repping with the ones you know and again we're kind of in mixing and matching mode and on some things, but, uh, you know, any of those three uh, could be in there, and I'd feel comfortable. Two more questions for you here, Coach. Uh, first one is, if I'm not mistaken, you spent the last uh, season out of football, not coaching. You weren't on the sideline. How good does it feel to be back on the sideline? Oh, it's so awesome. I mean, and and, and like I may have mentioned to you or, or whoever, I mean, I, I was able to turn last year into a positive, even though it wasn't, you know, the COVID year, you know, I couldn't get back into a situation when things froze and get on a staff of different things. And, and for, for a minute, I, you know, I learned a real valuable life lesson. I probably pouting a little bit different things. And once I figured out, you know what, it is what it is. I'm going to make sure I reconnect with my wife and kids, make sure I get a little workout in every day and study football and become a better coach. And I told my wife this long time ago, 
I said, uh, my, my best year's coaching are, are ahead, starting with this year, and, and I'm going to work. I've always worked hard and worked my tail off at what I do. But uh, the, the chance to come to a program like this with kids like this and get back in with, with coaches like this and a system like this, it's so fun to get out on the grass. And, and I never took football for granted before. I probably did as a player. Sometimes that would happen, and we talk about that with our kids. You know, you can't take it for granted. But I never took it for granted as a coach, but I can tell you now it feels so awesome to be with the program and out here working for sure. And last thing for me, Coach, is there a guy that we may not have mentioned in our conversation today that's standing out? You've brought up Campbell Barrington a lot, so I think there's going to be a lot of fans who are excited to see him out there on the field. But is there going to be another player or two in this offensive line group that you feel like is standing out? Yeah, absolutely. Seth Willis has come a long way, and I'm playing. He played tackle and guard in the spring, but he's another one that has slid inside the guard. He's a tough guy, and he can move well, and and he hasn't played a bunch, but he's he's one that has also had a real positive fall camp, and uh, you know, and I think that uh, that he's uh, he's he's got a real bright future, and he's he's put himself in in a position to be uh, uh, you know to really have a. a, a put himself in a position to have a nice year when he's called upon whenever that is. Uh, so that's good. And uh, Tyson Lewis coming off an injury has been, has been solid at the garden center. And, and I'm glad to have him because I didn't have him at all in the spring. And then, uh, and then, uh, you know, we've got a couple newcomers uh, from the JC ranks with, that, that are, you know, they've got work to do and got to learn the system better and all that stuff, but are really good. It's Tyler Little and Cade Parrish who, who have, uh, you know, Again, they're older kids that are coming in, and, and and they're, you know, they're they're swimming at times on some things, but they also they just commit themselves to getting better every day. They'll they'll have a chance to build into the depth as we go. So, and there's some other kids too that may surface, but those are probably the ones right now that that uh, along with and you know JT Gentry has taken a lot of, uh, you know, uh, a, a lot of reps, uh, you know, inside and can help us on some things. So he's done a great job as well. Well, Coach, that's great to hear. Appreciate you taking some time to join us once again. We'll look forward to catching up with you down the road as the season progresses, all right? Awesome. Well, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Have a good day. There you go. BYU offensive line coach Daryl Funk. So there's a name to pay attention to, Campbell Barrington. Clark obviously has been a standout for BYU's offensive line for the better part of two years. Campbell apparently the next in line. They could be a big name to break out this season. So keep an eye on that. Uh, while that interview was playing – we get to enjoy something absolutely incredible. And the name of this truck that's out here, by the way, and we, by the way, we're outside uh, on the plaza of Vivint Smart Home Arena. It's called the Good Start Truck, and it's a taco truck, and they brought some tacos by for us to give it a shot. Uh, they actually have what they call their Jobs at Work Program. It's a 501c3 nonprofit organization providing young parents and youth with a pathway out of poverty and into sustainable employment. Uh, they feature tutoring, employment assistant, work permits, credit makeup, job skills training. Stop me if, if I'm going too too long here. Employment opportunity, resume assistance, incentive program, even entrepreneurial skills. This is actually a really, really cool thing they're doing. It is really cool. Um, you know, I mean, when I first showed up here, I thought that was just a regular taco truck. Yeah. Um, they brought us some tacos while we were listening to that interview, which were incredible, yes. by the way. Like, we were both talking about we're both saw green sauce fans yeah and the green sauce that they had put on that was some of the best i've ever had yeah um if you are looking to support the youth how can you get involved uh it's simple give them a call to cater your event they're providing hands-on work experience for local youth mm -hmm. uh, their number is 
801-631-1278. Again, that's 801-631-1278. You can also follow them on Facebook and Twitter. Um, so definitely, like, reach out. This is a great, great program, great opportunities, and they make great tacos as well. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, like, get involved, help people out, you know, throw some money their way to, to help them with this because this is awesome. Yeah, they're doing some really cool stuff. It's a Father, Fathers and Families Coalition of Utah putting that on. So come support them. Come get some jazz. They're up to 75% off here at the Utah Jazz Summer Sale that's ongoing out here on the plaza. Love to see you guys. We'll be here until 2 o'clock, but it's just absolutely incredible. Those tacos, man. I Oh, I'm going back. I'm going more. more. No doubt about that. So big thank you to them for showing up here, and obviously the Utah Jazz. Uh, people still milling around, getting gear. There's still plenty of gear, though, if you guys are looking for discount Jazz gear. It's a great opportunity to come down and get up to 75% off. All right, come up on the other side. Get to five minutes of. You're listening to the Saturday Show right here on the Zone Sports Network. The weekend is here, and we're breaking down the teams that you're passionate about. Oh, really? This is the Saturday Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Welcome back to the Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network. It is time for five minutes of where we hit some of the other topics we haven't had a chance to touch on today. And our kind of our, our, our anchor for this, I guess we'll call it, our anchor part of, of this is called Saki. So fire it up for us, Eric. Kovacic, lovely ball. Plenty of space here for Reese James. Black stays down to Kaka. here from Real Madrid, Vinicius Jr. And oh, my goodness me, look what he's done. Moves it along the boards, 13.47 left to go in period one. Charlie Coyle is given a while, the 1-0 lead. Nathan McKinnon with a shot, he scores! The beat goes on for Nathan McKinnon. We're tied. Here's the Coure, not a conventional 1-2, but he's... on his feet. What a chance for Wolf! Mukoku! <laughs> Holland! He's a cheat code! All right, that is Saki. That was a great call to come in on. I like that. Yeah. Well done, Eric. Uh, so, yeah, so usually what is Saki is we combine soccer and hockey, two uh, sports of interest to both Lundy and I. Uh, Lundy's more of our hockey expert. I happen to have more of a keen interest in soccer, so we combine the two. But honestly, hockey, and I, I try to pay attention more, there's really nothing going on. They're just waiting for their season to start. Yeah, I mean, there's a few, like, free agent signings here and there, but, like, there's nothing really earth-shattering going on. And so, you know, we'll kind of we'll forego the, the hockey portion yeah. of Saki right now and get straight into soccer. Yeah, some breaking news yesterday uh, during my show with DJ and PK, and uh, news coming out from Brian Dunseth, of course, RSL analyst, does a lot of stuff on SiriusXM covering Major League Soccer. He announced and revealed on Twitter that Freddie Juarez and Real Salt Lake had parted ways, and it was Freddie Juarez's decision to do so. 
Uh, so he's no longer the head coach for Real Salt Lake. Reports emerged later in the morning that he is reportedly going to be an assistant coach with the Seattle Sounders, uh, working with Garth Loggerway as well as Craig Weibel, both former RSL employees, front office types. Very interesting move, but it now uh, is going to make Pablo Mastroeni, a former uh, United States men's national team star and an icon for, funny enough, the Colorado Rapids, is going to be the interim coach. Uh, funny enough, and I was on the call yesterday with Elliot Fall, RSL's uh, GM. I asked him the question, like, so is this interim tag going you know, to last the entire season? And he said he couldn't even guarantee that. He said we're going to start a search immediately for our permanent replacement. I'm as stunned as anybody on this, considering there is not an owner for Real Salt Lake still. They are still being run by the league. But apparently Freddie Wars saw writing on the wall and decided, you know what, I'm out. See ya. So, so very, very interesting. Eric, I know that, of course, you have a keen interest in Real Salt Lake. Where do you stand in all of this? I just worry about the general direction of the club. Well, I don't think you're alone in that. I, <laughs> I think that it's impossible for this to go well because – who in their right mind would want to take this job right now? It's essentially rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic. Like, there, there is no feasible direction for the club, and there hasn't been for even when Deloitte Hansen was, was there for the end of his tenure. The roster really hasn't changed for about three straight years aside from one or two kind of minor signings they make every year. They're just kind of running it back the same year after year after year and I listened to that interview yesterday and there were some great points made but you know RSL hasn't had a stable head coach since Jason Christ left in 2013 they've point. had four coaches in seven years there is absolutely zero stability within the franchise and the point was made by DJ that you know Deloy Hansen didn't want to spend money to hire a coach well now when you can spend money you can't also really because there's still no ownership group and no direction because who's to say they don't get bought in six months and then that owner just fires the coach again. Uh, that, all valid points, Eric, honestly. I all mean, valid points. I, I just don't, I just frankly don't understand the move. Like I get, if it is, it sounds like it's mainly Freddy Juarez initiated like he wanted he realized on the wall he he realized that he wasn't going to be extended yeah but to me why not just keep Pablo Mastroni for as long as you need to because don't go out and spend a lot of money on a head coach don't go get a top candidate because who knows if the new ownership group wants to keep that top candidate I don't know, Jake. I, I texted you about this. It's just wildly frustrating as someone who follows the team. Mm-hmm. Like, and I, I think the fan base generally feels this. Like, what is wrong with Real Salt Lake? Like, why why hasn't anyone shown interest in buying this club? It has been interest. a year straight since Deloitte Hansen went on the radio and said those inflammatory comments and then was eventually forced out of the ownership position. There, it's been a the, year. Nothing's yeah, changed. I don't there know. Ha, there, ha, there is interest in this club. Trust me. The price point is what's the bigger issue. Yes. That, and that's where the concern is at. So 
there will be an ownership at some point. They have stated that Don Garber said he has every intention by the end of this season to have an ownership group in place. I don't know who it's going to be. I don't. If I had any information, on it, I'd be happy to pass it along. But I do not know on that front. But simple fact of the matter is, I'm with you, Eric. That no right mind in no coach in their right mind right now is going to sign on and be like, I want a four-year deal for Real Salt Lake because as you said, when the owner comes in, they're going to be like. Who's this dude? Uh, I'm going with somebody else, and they might be, find themselves right out the door. So very interesting situation all the way around. Pablo Mastroeni does have head coaching experience. He did coach the Colorado Rapids before being unceremoniously dumped by the club that he called home as a player. He spoke to the media earlier today, and I had Eric uh, pull a clip here, just about him taking over the job and kind of what his expectations are as they move forward now with him as the interim manager. Yeah, you know, listen, I've been, we've been working with, uh, as a staff for the, you know, the past nine months and, um, you know, everything that, uh, that, that has happened prior to we've, we've, we've done collectively. So, um, you know, we, we've, we've, we've played a certain way. And, uh, I think with every passing game, we've tried to improve in the areas where we feel we're deficient. Um, and we continue to, to try to exploit, teams in a way that we feel that, uh, you know, that, that we have advantages against them. So again, it's, it's, it's at, at, at this point, you know, finding out a couple of days ago and, and now preparing for Vancouver, um, it's really about mindset more than anything else. And then, uh, and, and making sure that we're prepared mentally, physically, and obviously tactically, we've, like I said, we've been playing a certain way, um, and, and getting better in, in little moments, that uh, I think could uh, hopefully uh, continue to put us in the right trajectory to, to be the type of team that we can be. Very interesting comments there. So, so we have a very certain style we play. Well, I don't expect him to come in and just completely revolutionize how RSL is going about their game plan. Like the roster's been built, as he mentioned, he's been there for nine months working with Freddie Juarez, he's been kind of the top assistant under Juarez. But I just look at this, and it's it's a bit of a rudderless ship. There's no doubt about it. They just don't have an owner that is is in place to really kind of, I think, stabilize this franchise. They've been very clear from Major League Soccer. They do not anticipate uh, having a. They don't anticipate having, uh, having to move the club because there's so much infrastructure here. They don't, they do not see that happening, but. There's just so much turmoil going on. And funny enough, this is a club that's still, by the way, in the playoffs hunt. They're they're sitting sixth in Major League Soccer. They're in the playoffs as it stands in the standings today. It's not a terrible roster. It's not. It's not. I, I, they I'm have, with you on that. They, they have talent. Demir Krylock was the captain of the MLS All-Star team. And by the way, congratulations to MLS All-Stars. The summer of the United States beating the crap out of Mexico in soccer continues because uh, Major League Soccer All-Stars beat Mexico, Liga MX All-Stars uh, 3-2 in penalty kicks. That was happening Wednesday night. Uh, so very interesting situation going on there at Real Salt Lake. They are back in action tomorrow night. They're headed to Vancouver. Uh, the Whitecaps, who were calling Salt Lake home for a time, they're back north of the border. So B uh, RSL will head to BC Place tomorrow night, 8 o'clock Mountain Time. If you want to watch that on KMYU, the KSL TV app or ESPN+. Plus. We also have some other soccer news considering what's happening in the transfer uh what do we call it? The transfer window. Window? Yeah, transfer window. There you go, Eric. Thank you for correcting me. I want to say transfer portal. I'm like, that's not right. That's college football. Uh, but nonetheless, um, Lundy, you paid attention to this. Cristiano Ronaldo uh, transcends soccer. He is just, mm -hmm. he's an icon, plain and simple. 
Well, he shocked a lot of people yesterday, and he's actually going back to a club he once called home, Manchester United. Yeah, I saw the the headlines and everything. You know, I got a, an alert on my phone. Yeah. And it was one of those things where it's like, okay, like, I know this is a big deal. Let me look a little bit more into this. And the best explanation that I saw for it, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, mm -hmm. but the best comparison, somebody said, this is like LeBron going back to Cleveland. Yeah. Yeah. yeah really, he rose to prominence with Man U. There's no doubt about that. And so, you know, big deal there. Um, I mean, as a, as a non-soccer sure. person, I know the name Cristiano Ronaldo. Mm -hmm. I'm very familiar. You know, I can see a picture of him and know who he is just by, you know, I mean, he doesn't even need to be wearing a kit. <laughs> you nice, know, nicely done with the kit. Pole yeah, nicely done, dude. You know, Great try job. to speak the language. Um, but, you know, I can see him in, like, a shirt and tie, like, you know, on TV or something. It's, oh, yeah, it's Cristiano Ronaldo. Like, I, you know, he is that kind of player where, you know, he he's just so recognizable that he transcends the sport. Yeah, he does. So, well, crazy I, to see him. Oh, go ahead, Eric. It, it is interesting, too, because there was some drama involved. Because earlier in the week, it was reported that Man City was the Correct. front runners to get him. And that's obviously Manchester United's bitter rival. So, yeah, Well, Man City also struck out on Harry Kane. So yeah. I'm, I'm a happy Tottenham fan right now. But, it is, uh, I mean, the, the whole, I just want to say, the whole transfer period in Europe, people have called it perhaps one of the like most active ever and they're not wrong Lionel Messi moved to Paris Saint-Germain uh you have Kellyan Mbappe moving from PSG to Real Madrid at some point here in the near future Cristiano, reportedly let's be clear about that it's not a done deal yet oh I saw something oh is it, is it I done? saw something more firm yeah later ah, okay. earlier this week uh Cristiano Ronaldo to Manchester United Jack Grealish went to Manchester City there's Romelu Lukaku returns to the Premier League, goes to Chelsea. So it, it's just been a – and the theme, I would say, of this whole thing is the rich just got richer. The top clubs in Europe will remain the top clubs, and that that's, you know, always the way the sport will be. But if you look at every single league right now, it really is the top clubs at, at the top and who should be considered the favorites, except – Syria, where I think it's wide open now that Ronaldo has moved on. So uh, it's just a re it was a really interesting kind of shakeup this uh, this yep. off season. In, in no doubt about that. By the way, how must how good must it feel to be killing Mbappe and know that you're worth 180 million euros? That converts to 218 million dollars in American dollars. <laughs> Pretty cool, huh? Be like, that's what I'm worth, guys. All right. Anyway, so, yeah, very interesting uh, times ahead, both here domestically as well as internationally in soccer. And, yeah, I, I can't with you, Eric, though. The rich, they're always going to get richer. There's no doubt about that. They have the money. They're spending it, and that's what they're going to do. All right, coming up next, we will wrap up the show. I'm sure Eric's got something cooked up for us. A reminder for you guys that the Utah Jazz a summer sidewalk sale is ongoing here on the plaza at Vivint Arena. Love to see you guys stop by, pick up some jazz gear. A lot of people still milling around. Up to 75% off. Great chance to get some jazz gear. And by the way, I'm seeing Nike stuff out there. They, 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 this is not no-name stuff. This is the top-line stuff. This is like the this is the, the, the gear that everyone is after. Like yeah. this is this is the high-quality stuff. This is the, the really cool the the swag. I'm a, I'm a Nike snob, and I can guarantee you, I will be um, checking out what they've got. Yes. So,
All right, so we'll, we'll wrap up the show next. You're listening to the Saturday show right here on the Zone Sports Network. We talk Jazz, Utes, Cougars, and Aggies, even on the weekend. Weekend. You're locked on to the Saturday show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Welcome back to the Saturday show, wrapping things up here. And I'm going to get out of the way here because apparently we got something cooked up here between you two, Lundy and Eric. So go ahead, Lundy. All right, so this is something, you know, usually this final segment, Eric kind of takes a little shot at one of us. Uh-huh. Uh, this time it's, you know, we get to fire back a little bit. Um, Ooh. This is something that happened recently and has been, you may have heard this story a little bit. You know, it's kind of been floating around the studio a, a somewhat. Uh, Austin likes to tell it a good amount. Anyway, this was back in November-ish. Uh-huh. Uh, Eric was on his way in to take care of some Saturday stuff. Obviously, you know, the Saturday show was on hiatus at that point. Um, But it being November and a little bit colder, Eric was riding his bike into the studio. Uh, There was some some inclement weather. Okay. And some ice. So Eric slipped and hit his head pretty hard. Um, Oh, I do recall this, yes. And so, like, you know, he had called me first, but I had recently been exposed to somebody who had tested positive to COVID. And so mm-hmm. I was in quarantine. Thankfully I didn't have it, uh, but I was unavailable. And so a very concussed Eric Jensen called one Austin Horton to ask for his help. Hey, Austin. Uh, this is Eric uh, from the zone. Um, I just, uh, wanted to double check that we are uh, going live today. I sort of uh, crashed a bit on my bike on the way in, and I'm a little bit concussed, I think. Uh, But I was unaware of it. Alex was in quarantine, so uh, I can probably fight through, but I was just wondering if we're we're still going uh, live here. And um, who was producing the USU game? Because I was wondering if maybe I could get them to sub in for me, potentially. Um, but maybe I can fight through it. I just can't really stand up right now. Um, that's how. Uh, but, um, yeah, if you could just give me a call back, maybe. I think Jay, Alex said Jay Cash is... Um, producing so maybe i'll call him but if you could give me a call back that's great thanks bye so yeah that was that's that's eric with a concussion that thankfully he recovered from you know like sure don't like to uh crashed a bit on my bike on the way in and i'm a little bit concussed i think (laughs) like typically don't like to make light of something as serious as a concussion but sure just i mean you know, Austin waking up and hearing that message and being like, what is going on? Like, maybe I can through it. I just can't really stand up right now. Uh, I can't really stand That's my up favorite part. Right now. I, I think I can probably fight through it. I just can't stand. <laughs> like, you know, I just, I'm just imagining Eric just kind of, like, laying there in the snow, not really, like, moving, just on the phone, no idea where he's at. 
Well, Eric, the, the, the actual story is much more embarrassing. There was no ice involved. I simply was trying to get onto a tracks line, and I merged vertically, and my tire got caught. You know how the divot oh, okay. goes yeah. for the track? Tire yeah. got caught in that, and I got sacked, basically. But it, you, it, you over your handlebars? No, no, no. I just okay. got, like, I, I I call it a sack because I did. I got, like, driven into my collarbone. Fair so. enough. All right. Okay. Well, we're very glad that you recovered, Eric. And that's why but we can make fun of it. I just can't really stand, stand up right, right now. now. <laughs> um, that's tough. But, yeah, it was, uh, you know, I remember vaguely getting that phone call because I believe that he woke me up to do it, and I was like, oh, it what? I, I got a concussion. I was like, oh, well, I can't, I, you know, wish I could help you out, but I'm kind of quarantined and not allowed to. But, so, yeah, Eric, we're glad that you recovered, and we're going to laugh at your expense probably, you know, and hope that you don't have CTE as a result. Yeah, how has this voicemail been sitting on the shelf for so long and not been in use? That's my question. Well, I frankly was concussed, so <laughs> I... Obviously. <laughs> I, I, I sort of kind of crashed my bike. I, I, I don't stuff. really know. But maybe I should type through it. I just can't really stand up right now. Um, that's time. Okay. Yeah, but, uh, I mean, I sort of forgot it existed. I, I, I wow. really didn't know it existed, to be okay. completely honest with you. Fair enough. All right. So, oh, it's good to have Eric take a shot once in a while, yeah. I suppose. And the only reason we're taking the shot, as we said, is because he's fully recovered from said injury. Yes. It, it, you know, he was – we put him in concussion protocol for mm -hmm. a few weeks, and then he was able to, you know, get back into the rotation. So, All right. Well, that is going to do it uh, for all of us here on the Saturday show. Just a quick reminder once again for you guys to stop by the Utah Jazz Summer Sidewalk sellout here up to 75% off jazz gear. Also make sure to stop by and check out the taco truck they got here supporting a really, really cool cause. It's a 501c3, uh, and they are doing great things. By the way, the tacos are to die for. So stop by and check all of that out. And until next week, we'll be, of course, returning for the Saturday show. But in the meantime, make sure to check out DJ and PK, Hands and Scotty, as well as the big show throughout the week from 6 a.m. to 7 p.m. every single day here on The Zone. Until then, this has been the Saturday show right here on 97.5 FM, 1280 AM, and The Zone Sports Network. See you.